I was sitting in there, and then I had one of those clean wipes. You know what you, you know what he's talking about, right? Like there's nothing. Just the there. first wipe, and oh, it's okay. Crazy. It's like you're really healthy or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I was like, nice. Barely any residue. And then I hear this kid cracking up. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Millennial Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Agnelli, here with my co-host, Peter Price, and our guest, Matt McMahon, today. Hey. How you guys doing? Glad to be here. My yeah. dog. <laughs> Matt my dog. is uh, one of the quietest funniest people you ever meet in your life he has this dry sense of humor that will just fucking make you cry laughing so hard um i remember matt and i really met each other it was our confirmation class uh going going into the ninth grade so at like your peak fucking punk ass kidness right growing up and um matt played travel basketball with a lot of my friends so i knew of him but they put like six of us hooligans in a confirmation class together at church and your dad, Deacon Steve, ran the thing. So they put us kids into a, a room and expected us to be like well-behaved and whatnot. And every day or every week, his dad would come in and try to like reprimand us. <laughs> and we were like, dude, like it's just not working out. But that's when I got a first glimpse of you. And uh, man, it, you just always have been a really awesome person. Cool, man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of the whole episode kind of circle back and go through your life and talk about crazy stories and everything in between, but kind of give us a glimpse into where you were brought up, where you're born and kind of that early life aspect of things. All right. So I grew up in the same town pretty much as you guys, you know, Jupiter, Florida, sometimes in gardens, uh, maybe a little North sometimes towards the end of high school. I was near like Martin County. Um, so I, you know, I grew up down here, South Florida, um, went to Catholic school initially up until middle school, about seventh grade, I switched to public school. Where'd you go? Um, St. Clair School and then All Saints School. That's right. So I initially went to St. Clair's, mm-hmm. and then they built All Saints, which was in Jupiter, which was closer to where I was living. So then I moved, switched there in third grade, and then ended up going back to St. Clair's for fifth and sixth grade. How was that transition when you went from a private Catholic school to public school? Uh, one of the first things I remember at Independence Middle School, which is the public school, yeah. was there's this little bus loop, or it wasn't even a bus loop. It was some type of circle in front of the school. Mm-hmm. And there were kids smoking cigarettes, smoking black and milds, like right before school, like it was nothing. Yeah. So that was definitely like, An okay, eye-opener. Yeah, yeah. it's different, you know. Um, usually not to stereotype, but in a private school, most kids' parents are kind of, you know, a little stricter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously if it's a religious type of school, you know, they're going to be a little stricter on things like tobacco. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, it's just a different world and realizing not everybody is the same, mm-hmm. yeah. doesn't have the same upbringing. Are you glad that you made that transition though? Are you glad that you got to experience that rather than staying in Catholic school the whole time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Shows you that there's, you know, more out there than just right. your 300 kids in your school or whatever it might be. Typically a smaller school. So. Yeah, for sure. Would you put your kids in public school or private school? I think I would do something similar to how I came up. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I'm not sure what grade to transition them to public mm-hmm. school, but yeah. probably definitely for high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's pros and cons to each type of school. Right. So. I kind of like, for middle school, I was at Bach Middle School of the Arts, and like, that was sort of like you were saying when you were at private school, there was no one like smoking cigarettes or like doing, 
really any bad shit. Like, it was just everyone kind of went to school. They were there for their major and what they specialized in. And, like, I mean, not that kids weren't doing bad shit. I remember kids, like, brought alcohol to school, like, a handful of times mm-hmm. or something like that. But it was a pretty innocent school. And then to transition from that to Dwyer High School was, like, <laughs> night and day, you know? Like, a drastic difference. <laughs> Dwyer High School was a hot block when we went there freshman year, bro. There for were fights sure. there almost every, every day. morning, real, man. Real gang fights. Like, like legit street shit. And, yeah. and uh... I'd see you see like Mr. Hightower just sprinting a hundred <laughs> miles an hour down the hallways, and there'd be weave randomly weave, scattered yeah, yeah, on the yeah. floor. Um, so it, it it's crazy. Now I know, and we we touched on it a bit before the podcast. You were uh, adopted at a young age and brought up in a family of adopted parents and whatnot. Tell us about that upbringing and and what that the history of that was like. Yeah, sure. So it's definitely a unique experience. Um, you know, I was adopted at birth, so. Never had to, you know, spend time in an orphanage or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I probably found out or realized when I was maybe three, you know, that all my siblings uh, didn't look like me, things like that. But uh, overall, I think it's a blessing. Um, I w- encourage people to adopt if they can, if they have the means. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, it wasn't anything too different because if you're adopted, you know, that's really all you're used to. Yeah, right. But you realize it's different. But um, you don't really know how it would be if you weren't adopted. 100%. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I think it's really tough on the kids that were born and then were in adoption. We're in the uh, you know the the homes until like the eight or nine or system. ten, so they know what it's like to not have parents and they right. know what it's like to not experience that. So they're in a world where they feel like they're not loved and like. The good thing, it, it was it's hard on any kid, but the good thing about your experience is you were loved from day one. I know your right. parents personally, and they're amazing people. And um, and so you always felt that love, you know, of a kid growing up, and that's huge to kids, you know. Um, now, with your birth mother, do you still talk with her? How is that relationship like? Um, so I found out, I knew her name my whole life, which was actually her middle name. I thought it was her first name, but it turns out that, you know, that wasn't her her name. So um, when I was 18, I got, my parents gave me like a letter. Yep. So then I like looked her up on Facebook and everything huh. and saw what she was up to. Um, I've never reached out to her or anything. Okay. Um, but she's young, you know. Uh, so I'm 27 now. I think she's like 40. So oh, so it was do like the a math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she's pretty young. Um, and she's had like a, a lot of legal issues and stuff. So that's part of a reason for not reaching out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know nothing about my birth father except I did, like, the ancestry thing. Yeah. I know that's controversial. Some people think it's fake. But um, I thought oh, it was yeah? pretty dead on. Yeah, some people think, you know, or they have their conspiracies yeah. that, you know, <laughs> they're taking your DNA, they're going to do this and that. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you spit into a tube. Right. But um, I wanted to find out. Okay. And my right. whole life, you know, I was pretty much assuming that I was, like, Black and white, mm-hmm. and then uh, turns out on there, you know, it was dead on like fifty one percent white, forty nine. Oh really? Black. Wow. So I thought that kind of like, I thought it was pretty accurate. Yeah, you know? it's interesting. A lot of people say, oh, I, you know, I'm not sure how I'm tied into this region or something, but you know, I think it's pretty spot on. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of shit people don't know about their past that they just don't realize. But there's right. probably some t- scientific shit coming up with those answers. Yeah, that now. To get a little deep, how does that weigh on your conscience? Like, growing up as a kid, you know, you're hanging out with your buddies, playing football, all this shit. Was that, like, a thing that you'd fight with and had to deal with a lot? Like, that anxiety of, like, where am I from? Who's my birth mother? Or was it kind of something that you put away 
And then when you're 18, you're like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. Um, I didn't think about it too much, um, but we were definitely aware of it. Like, yeah. I would kind of have like a second birthday each year. We call it adoption day. Oh, and it was really? the day where That's basically crazy. all the legalities of the adoption were finalized. Wow. Um, it was amazing, like, yeah. yeah, that's kind of yeah. cool. I like that. So, you know, we kind of embraced it. Yeah, that's um, how it should be. But, you know, on my day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis, everyday life, wasn't really thinking about it. All I really knew was my family that I was with. Yeah, right. And uh, never had any problems with it or anything. I know some other kids who, like, really uh, it weighs on their mind heavily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they think about it, you know, all the time. And they wish things were differently. Um, but I think, you know, sounds corny, but everything happens for a reason. No, right. 100%. And, uh, you know, I've been raised by a great family, so I think yeah, it was kind of meant to be. That's wisdom. It shows you're in a really good place in life. You know, you kind of found your way and that you're in such a good spot where you just feel comfortable about your upbringing and where you're from. And, and you you know someone's really confident and happy when life, when they look at their story, not as like a negative, downbeat, piece of shit story. They look at it as like, as you just said, everything happens for a reason. And I'm this, I'm on this twisted ass path that's on so many places, up, down, sideways, but that it's led me to this kind of beautiful spot in life, you know, and that, you know, things don't happen to you, they happen for you. It sounds corny as fuck, but if you start viewing things in that aspect, things start kind of making sense. And, and you don't play that victim role no more. You kind of attack life. Yeah. Um, I think what you said is is rings so true if you have the means to adopt you know i mean look at the trajectory of where your life so many different places it could have gone right, right. um but your parents anyone who adopts or fosters they're amazing people you know so that's awesome deacon steve what's your mom's name mona that's right um they're just fantastic now one thing we didn't really talk about is you were always an amazing athlete um growing up you played football basketball uh, any other sports I remember getting uh, our ass beat in baseball <laughs> by, by Pete's team in like the All Star Summer League. Really? I we dreaded playing uh, Palm Beach Gardens. Yeah, bro. It was like Pete, I think Kyle Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, Rob Kyle's Mitolo. still playing, bro. Yeah, he's on the Rockies. Yeah, the Colorado Rockies. No shit. Yeah. yeah. Kyle you know, used to. Uh, MLB right now. Yeah. 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 Kyle. And Cunningham. Kyle, uh, he lived in Eagerland Landing. Oh, no so shit. the school I was talking about, St. Clair's, we carpooled there every day. Really? Because oh, yeah. we both lived in the same area. I was in Abacola, he was in Eagerland Landing. St. Clair's right behind St. Pete's? There? No, that's All Saints. That's All Saints. Okay. Uh, St. Clair's is off Prosperity Farms Road. That's right. That's right. Okay. You ever go to the St. Clair Fair, Nick? Remember that shit? Once, bro. I, I think, dude. I don't know, bro. I get all my fair. I think we had like the fun fairs at fucking uh, public schools and shit growing That's up. right. St. Clair Fair was a whole nother level, though, from fun I knew fair. it was like a thing. It was like <laughs> where like I think high school couples went and shit and took Yeah, pictures. it was like yeah. a real mini carnival. It yeah, was like yeah. South Florida Fair, but just baby size. It bumped? Yeah, it was pretty dope. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was dope. Um, I threw up one time. From drinking? No, no, uh, dude. We were jits. I went on a ride and I didn't feel good. No shit. Yeah, I had deep fried Oreos. You fuck with like uh, South Florida State rides? Like South Florida No. Fair- After that day, I decided rides aren't for me. <laughs> <laughs> they pull them fucking rides up on a semi. They drop that shit off. I don't really trust right, it, It gets dude. put together in 24 hours yeah. and broken down just as fast. <laughs> There's a video of one that went wild that does a spin thing that goes back and forth and went wild. They started going circles. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw that. Now fucking no, I'm dude. Straight. I'm not touching it. Um, Good people watching though. Fire people watching. Yeah, America. I'm a people up. watching guy yeah. nowadays. Dude, I'll just go sit somewhere and just it's so and you judge people's story in life and they're together, they're not, they're fighting some shit. Um, You're sitting there judging people, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're fighting and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> just 
This is fuck all the more. Fuck this bitch. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I can't fight them in real life, so I'm fighting them in my mind. Oh, so fucking weird. Um, that sounded so real. Yeah, <laughs> like no, I've never done that. Before. Me? No, I don't do that. It's like next time you go to the mall and take something real quick. I'm just sitting in the food court eating my Chick Fil A. Uh, so going from uh, all it was All Saints to um, Independence to uh, high school, you decide you're going to Dwyer. What was that transition like going into high school, playing sports, people you're meeting and whatnot? Yeah, so uh, I originally wanted to go to Jupiter okay. and do their environmental program. And uh, What's that mean? What's the environmental program? Some type of program. <laughs> it was my way in because I didn't right, live in right. the school district. What were you zoned for? Dwyer, right? For Dwyer. Uh, and they had just changed it like a year before uh, or two years or something because my sister who lived in the same house, when she went, she's like, Class of 2009, I'm 2013. She went to she Jupiter? She was zoned for, yeah, for Jupiter. And that was in Abacoa you were at? Yeah. Yeah, I lived there for a while. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I wanted to go to Jupiter and just initially play basketball. Okay. I wasn't even going to play football or anything. Really? Um, I basically played flag football, like third, fourth grade. I played on the Mustangs in fifth grade, which you played on. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was on the Maroon team. Yeah, you were on the fire And then team. I went to... Uh, Palm Beach Gardens Gators, sixth yeah. grade. Yeah. And then uh and then seventh and eighth, I just played basketball year round. Yeah. So our travel team pretty much everybody went to Jupiter except for me and Michael Edgley. Yeah. And then Michael Edgley ended up transferring anyway. <laughs> That's right. Like the beginning of freshman year. But that was my plan is to just stick playing basketball with mm-hmm. all those guys. And then uh I was on MySpace. Like <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Shout out to Tom. Yeah. And then oh, Evan shit. said, you got to come. It <laughs> <laughs> took me a second. Evan was like, you got to come out and play football. And I was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and then he asked me like again or something. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I'll try it again. And then uh, I remember the first summer workout. Yeah. They literally like made us run 20 hundreds. Yeah. And I got in the car after and I was like to my mom, I was like just looking at her. <laughs> Like, this is crazy. Like, but I'm gonna keep going though. It's crazy. You, my fat ass, couldn't fucking run the hundreds, bro. bro. I was last. Dry summer workouts time. were crazy. Dude, they're another level, bro. I'm literally like weaving, and they're like, get up fast. Like, what is going on, dude? Call my dad. Um, <laughs> Those workouts were serious. They bro. were. They were insane. I love that shit, though. But fun. then, like, you're like a. I wasn't scrawny ninth grader, but you're like an innocent ninth grader, and you're going. We're doing workouts with like. Kurt Majit and like Nick O'Leary right. and uh, Matt Elam and these dudes are literally like Grown ready for men. the lead. Yeah, Grown <laughs> I got like three pubes and these dudes are flipping four hundred pound tires. I remember Nick O'Leary showing up for the summer workouts one day and I'm like fucking flipping a tire or some shit and he walked in looking like a caveman, yeah. like he full beard, <laughs> overgrown hair, overgrown. His teeth were like. Yellow as yeah. fuck and all one color. He, he just had been doing nothing, you know, for the whole summer. That's how we spent our whole summer. Is at those summer workouts, you know, yeah. and like going to Evan's house every day, yeah. working out again in the garage, two yeah, a days. Yeah. But Nick O'Leary was a grown ass man when I was a, a kid, you know, yeah, and yeah. we were working out in the same weight room. Evan's Harvey's house was just testosterone. Like every time you go yeah. there, it's just like, I remember you just feel like <laughs> oh, some shit's going down. I have no clue what it's going on. But um, <laughs> so fun house. you said you're going to play football going into high school. What type of group, like who are you hanging out with at the time? How was that? 
sports and school and social life? Like, what what crews were you running with? How was that transition? Well, I had friends everywhere because yeah. I feel like I went to so many schools. Yeah. So I knew kids. I was still hanging out with kids from St. Clair. Yeah. Um, I had new kids in Jupiter, kids at Dwyer. I think Pete will remember, like, we'd either go to a Jupiter or a Dwyer party. Yeah. Because, you know, we knew so many people at each school. You too. Yeah, we were hanging out with, like, Jack Rusak and stuff. Yeah. 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 And even before that, uh, you know, like, even, like, Ronnie Healy. Yeah, and, like, dude, Random kids shit. from Jupiter that, we you know, we mutually knew and mm-hmm. just hang out with. But I was always, like, with different crowds. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, once I went to the football workouts, I realized, like, this is something I definitely want to keep 100%. doing. Uh, and I remember I was pretty good. So... So, you know, why not? Why not pursue it? When did now you guys were fairly close in high school, bro? This is my best friend. Yeah, we spent every day together. Yeah, now when did that really come to fruition? You know, when did that he laughs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> <laughs> it was like I don't know if it was practice or something, but we were yeah. in the bathroom by the gym. Oh my god, that's <laughs> what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it was freshman year or sophomore, I think it was freshman, probably. Though. Yeah, uh, I was using the bathroom, <laughs> and it's funny because you guys had the topic of like what you wipe with. Yeah, right. So I was sitting in there, and then I had one of those clean wipes. You know what you, you know what he's talking about, right? Like there's nothing. Just the there. first wipe, and oh, it's okay, it's like you're really healthy or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I was like, nice, barely any residue, and then I hear this kid cracking up. And then Wait, I. Th- you said it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew he was in there. I knew like, I knew a couple people were in there. So, but I think that's when Pete realized he thought I was pretty funny this or something. Funny as fuck. <laughs> but I used to be like you said in the beginning. I was like kind of a sneaky funny. Yeah. Right. Like I'd be making Low-key. noises, but like, <laughs> only four people would be able to hear it, or everyone would hear it, but four people would know it was me. And I'd be playing it all. I'd be, like, staring there, like... And, like, they, no way the teacher thought it was me, you know? Uh, <laughs> barely any residue. I remember that like it was yesterday, bro. And you were so chill, bro. I never knew when you were joking or being serious. <laughs> like, you had this fucking monotone-ass <laughs> face where you're like, dude, are, are you making fun of me? Are you laughing? Or are you going to beat my ass? What is going on? Um, I'll say now as a disclaimer, I was uh, never really that serious. <laughs> I think I just had... Uh, I think when you're younger, you try to act cool and yeah, hard yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I think that was my way of trying to be cool or seem tough. But really, you know, I'm just a, a regular person. You know? <laughs> but don't take that as, like, you can come, like, do anything to me. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I'm a nice person. Yeah, Especially right. back then, I was just, you know. Well, you're you're, in, you're insecure high schooler. We all were. You know, it's like you trying to find ways to be cool and, and right. seen. And it was big back then, like, not being soft. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. big thing you didn't want to be. 100%. Especially so, being at Dwyer where we were at. Yeah. yeah. Like, show no weakness. I'm a bad motherfucker. Right. Dwyer was a pretty uh, diverse school, though. Very. Thinking about it nowadays. Yeah. I'm glad that we experienced that, though. Like, that... I mean, you've said it before, Nick. It, like, it gives you... You experience, like, every type of person and every walk of life, and it gives you really, like, no prejudice against anyone because... I don't know. You just realize everyone's sort of the same. We all intermingle and we all live the same life. It's funny. All three guests that have been from Dwyer and I, we've talked about how much of a blessing it's been that we went to that school. I mean, you'd be in class with Hispanic kids, redneck, white kids, right. black kids, you know, 
And you realize that there's dumb people and there's smart people in every race and color and that, like, who am I to judge anyone? Some of the people would be the nicest people that you'd never think to ever even talk to you. You know, it's just, it gives you this kind of macro lens of the world when you're in a micro level at a high school age where you're just, you know, you're in your little clique and shit and that's the only people you hang out with. Um, But it really gave me that, I don't give, no, I don't have prejudice in any sense, you know, in any race ethnicity, background, I don't give a shit. You know, people are people, and I see them for who they are. Um, I mean, you were a bad motherfucker. I think your, your last Facebook pic was your dog, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. But I'm like, damn, <laughs> like, that much of a change, you know, has happened over your life, or you just, like, a ha- in, in a happy place, you know? But I did have the same type of dog back then, though. Oh. Just wasn't posting them. <laughs> <laughs> what had- type of dog? It's a dachshund. Uh, Wiener dog? So I grew up with a dachshund that was born like a year after me. Yeah. He died probably like freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then I had like another dachshund beagle mix. She's still alive. She's like 13. No shit. Uh, and then recently I got another dachshund, me and my girlfriend. They're bad. And she's like, you know, nine months. So. JoJo wants a dachshund. But you oh, can't yeah? not yeah. smile at him, bro. They're little, little wieners, man. <laughs> yeah. He's like, fuck with it. Um, okay, so that was your first... Interaction, I would have been fucking crying, laughing too. <laughs> yeah. Then you guys. Well, we like, knew each other uh, from Pop Warner, though. In the right. We were like, people love each other. Yeah. No, I mean we, we were knew each friends. Other. We both played running back. Like okay. we were, we were close even then. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then now, kind of after that, you guys started hanging out together. Or was it you guys and Evan? I mean, what was that like? You know. I think it started out as, like, being a mutual friend of yeah. Evan, both of us, yeah. and, like, always kind of, that was, like, his house was the house everyone went yeah. to to hang out at, because, like, Nancy was cool, yeah, and yeah. it was just the house where we all chilled. But then as we got later into high school, me and Matt kind of, I feel like, sort of separated from that friend group a little bit, you know? Like, yeah. we were always yeah. cool with Evan and all them boys, but, like, we sort of went our own path, you know, as it got later. When did you guys start partying in high school? Like the sophomore year. That's yeah, together. Freshman year, I was still straight edge. I wasn't smoking or doing anything. I remember my freshman year, uh, Halloween was my first high school party. I was riding, it was in Egret Landing, and I literally rode a bike into the house. (laughs) 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 Like your own bike, or you picked up a bike? No shit. Or it was like uh, one of our friend Mario's bikes. Like he had like 10 or something. (laughs) No but, way. That's how you showed up to your first high school party. Yeah, I remember I had these giant, like, denim shorts and triple X black tee. Thugging. Like, it was a different time dressing yeah, back then. Right? I had black Air Forces. Yeah. Uh, and I just remember, like, being in there. I remember I got hit with a firework. Like, I was in the bathroom. Someone threw a firework under the door. No Shut the shit. fuck up. And then, uh, yeah, we just... Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> I think high school age parties are more dangerous than college age parties. Because you're like, you're getting fucked up for the first time and you're just doing dumb shit. I remember, like you said, that story of someone swiping a pool yeah. at a high school party out in the farm. Or it was in the farms, right? Or, it was like, either here or in the farms. And they fucking knifed the big ass pool and the whole thing. Like, yeah. I think back to some high school parties I went to and I was like, oh my God. Matt, do you remember Island Way? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What Can I that? tell the Island Way story? Yeah. Okay, so me and Matt roll up. Um, Island Way is some neighborhood. It's not even called Island Way. That was just the street that it was on. And that's how you would get notified about a party in high school. You just get an address randomly sent in a group text with 50 people. An address gets sent. 
Or it would be like Shower 48, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but was always one, the backup, the shower. Shower 48. When the party got broken up, you'd either meet at BP or Shower 48. <laughs> I still call BP to this day. It's yeah, not yeah it's not a BP anymore. It's still and BP. the same guys work there. <laughs> yeah, Kenny. All Kenny, of them. Kenny, bro. Kenny's the OG. The lady, all of them. Yeah. Bro. So Island Way was the street where this party was at. And it was a big cul-de-sac. The neighborhood... Evan's parents live in this neighborhood now, which is actually hilarious. Yeah, Rialto. Yeah, right. But this cul-de-sac was Island Way. And the neighborhood was like 90% still under construction. Yeah. Like, this little strip was the only thing that was completed and people were living in it. So the whole cul-de-sac was like filled up with cars. And we walk up to this party and uh, in the red Ford Escape. <laughs> You're with, your little yeah, fucking, yeah. I remember that car. Bumping, two twelves <laughs> in the back, right? We walk up to the party. Uh, who was it? Ian Jones. Remember Ian Jones? Ethan, Ethan. Ethan Jones. Yeah, yeah. You remember him? Swole, no. gig- another grown-ass yeah. man that was in high school. Huge. Huge. And uh, <laughs> p- they were, like, weren't letting people in the party anymore. There was like, too many people in the yeah. house or something, so they were like trying to keep people out. And Ethan was like, fuck that. Anyone wants to come in this party, you walk in with me. I dare a motherfucker to stop you. And me and I are like, all right, that's our cue. And we walk right in behind Ethan. We go in there. The house is fucking packed full of people. And it smells like weed. You can tell people are smoking weed in the house. And me and Matt are like, all right, bet. This is sick. Let's go back to the car and roll up. And then we'll go back in the party. And we'll be smoking in here with everybody else. So we go back to the car. Matt had, like, the trees in, like, a a Nike shoebox at that time. And I'm sitting in the passenger (laughs) seat. And I'm rolling up on this shoebox. And we're just chilling in the car, talking and shit. I'm rolling up. All of a sudden, Troll pulls up and parks right next to the Ford Escape. So close to the car that it's not like I can open the door and get out and be like, oh, fuck, and run. He's no so close way. that I can't even open the door. And I've got a shoebox full of weed in my, my lap. Matt gets out of the car, fucking dump, jumps out. I put the or I pass the shoebox to Matt. He stuffed it under the car. I go out the driver's side, and then we run through the middle, like, the middle of the two houses right there. Yeah. Mario was walking towards the car at that time. And knew the cop that pulled up right next to us, or like had recognized him. So when the cop got out of his car and Mario was walking up, he was like, "Oh, hey, what's up, man?" As me and Matt skirt through the middle of these two houses, and we just went and stood behind the houses until someone could like come pick us up. We like walked to the other side of the lake or something and got no picked up. Shit. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, these stories of when we were young—it's just. Crazy. I was sitting there with a the shoebox, yeah. so we did my lap, looking at the cop in the eyes. Dude, that's insane, man. Yeah, that was a good and one. And then you all just went home after that that night, or you went to the probably party? not. We probably went to shower forty eight or BP. <laughs> that's right, dude. Imagine those BP people must have seen so much shit because that was like the meetup spot. You yeah, know, go to go to BP. Um, We'd pack that bitch out too. That's right. Before it used to be cut. like dangerous, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then, throughout high school, you guys obviously kept hanging out together. Now was was smoking kind of a normal thing? I mean, what what like how much did weed play into your high school life? It was in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was in there, but uh, I will say we always handled business too. Like we had good grades. I think you did. Yeah, no, right. I mean, like we were, we were still participating in football workouts. Like, I mean. I skipped a lot of school for sure. Yeah. But I also passed all my classes. You know, like it was just you guys ra- did work right in the line. Yeah. No. You definitely were like also was, had like was, a job the whole time yeah, and shit too. I was oblivious to everything, so I didn't. I never fucking knew you guys were smoking or doing any of that shit. Um, but uh, you did. I didn't, <laughs> you lying? Well, I just was never like I was never badass enough to do that. So I was like, yeah, those guys, man, those cool guys, <laughs> those crazy guys. Yeah. Um, now going from you know throughout high school, again, you kept playing football. You were really good, and then going into senior year, you transferred to Jupiter, right? Right. Right. 
What was that decision and what made you do that jump? Um, basically, you know, I said in the beginning that I wanted to go to yeah, Jupiter yeah. originally. But, uh, you know, we were really good at Dwyer, uh, having a lot of success. And then basically, I remember the last game of, like, junior year. Um, and Evan had the same type of situation. All of a sudden, they didn't play us. Yep. So, and then also, uh, you know, I, I saw that happen. I played the whole, you know, playoffs, everything. Uh, kind of rotated a series with another player. Um, so I was playing. I had stats, had touchdowns, everything, uh, good highlights. And then uh, kind of got blindsided that last game. Uh, didn't play. and We lost, too. Uh, not saying that I would have made all the difference or anything, mm -hmm. but... Uh, it was kind of weird to switch up the game plan at the last, you know, for one game. Uh, I remember we did like a barely any of the running backs played, and mm -hmm. they kind of did this thing where uh, our quarterback ran it every time, and there were like two fullbacks in, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then uh, I kind of waited it out till the spring game, and then realized they want everybody to play. Mm -hmm. So that means this, the year before I was already, you know, going every other series. Mm -hmm. So if, everyone, if there's two more people in the equation, you know, that means I might be getting two, three carries a game. Yeah. And uh, the school we were at, Dwyer, like the third stringers would have started on any team, you know, in the county or probably the country, yeah, to yeah. be honest. So I just felt a little underutilized yeah. and uh, had the perfect opportunity to go back. You know, I knew everyone at Jupiter. One of our coaches at Dwyer was going to Jupiter so I could be with him and... Uh, just kind of figured, you know, why waste my senior year, uh, you know, letting everybody get a share. Mm -hmm. When I have all this talent, I worked all, you know, this hard all mm -hmm. these years. Uh, let me go there and kind of be the star. But uh, that ended up backfiring, too, because yeah. I ended up getting hurt after, like, five games or something. Tell us about that. You tore your ACL, right? Yeah, ACL uh, all the way, LCL all the way, PCL and MCL partially, Jeez. and then my, like, medial calf muscle uh, partially. Jesus, man. You did it at practice, right? Yeah, in practice. Uh, and I was actually playing... I was going to play quarterback that week. Like Wildcat? Like wild yeah, yeah. yeah, we were playing uh, Wellington, which was a trash team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were like, you know, let's just get, get him the ball. Like, forget the handoff. Mm -hmm. Forget the pitch. Forget the screen we'll pass. Just snap it to him. <laughs> we'll snap it to him. No pass plays in there. I couldn't pass with yeah, the pads yeah, yeah. or anything. That's great. And uh, we did like a silent count. Yeah. All I had to do was lift my knee. They snapped the ball because I didn't want to say the cadence. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I was just running the ball, got, fell in like this pothole, yeah. tore my stuff up. And then, uh, yeah, I still ended up having a scholarship and playing in college and stuff for a little bit. Eventually realized, you know, well, actually I had to get another surgery. But after that, I was like, let me uh, focus on academics and trying to get a career and stuff. How, much, how long were you out of commission for? Like, when, you know, how, how was that recovery process physically? Uh, each one's like about a year. And sometimes it could go longer, especially if you're prepping to yeah, play yeah, college yeah. sports, which I was for the first one. Yeah. So that was like, a, you know, I got hurt in like, it was like 10, 17. I, I remember it was, I used to think of the <laughs> Gucci, Gucci main thing. <laughs> but so it was like from October to August, I rehabbed. No shit. And then... uh. The second time, like after I stopped playing, is maybe a five, six month uh, process. Mm -hmm. And then um, years later, I tore it again playing basketball. It was pickup basketball. Huh. And that was like, you know, eight, nine months. Oh 
Oh, I didn't know you tore it a second time. I didn't same leg? That either. Yeah. Wow. So three surgeries, uh, two injuries, same leg. How much time in between each injury? Uh, 2012 was the first injury. So I had a surgery, you know, a few weeks after mm -hmm. that. And then about a year later for the same injury mm -hmm. on 2013. And then 2017 is when I tore it again. Were you planning on playing basketball at Jupiter that year too? Or no? Had you given up basketball <clears throat> at that point? Um, I think they probably would have let me on the team, mm -hmm. and I kind of would have just sat on the bench. Like all my but I was I was pretty, uh, I mean, back then I was still pretty athletic, so, but when you stop playing and people keep playing, mm -hmm. <laughs> they surpass you quickly mm -hmm. in skill level. Because, yeah. you know, I was one of the better players, like, in middle school, for mm -hmm. sure. But, um, and also, like, I didn't grow how the other guys yeah. did. So I think, you know, maybe I would have rode the bench a little or something, mm -hmm. and I knew the coach and stuff. They would have threw me on, you know, for fun or something, but wasn't trying to be serious or anything. How long did you, so you went to school basically for one semester in college to play football, and then that was it? Yeah, not even a semester. It was, uh, it's like two months, and then I was, I basically, after like six weeks of being there, my knee was hurting and mm -hmm. hurting, so I got an MRI. They're like, you need another surgery. So the school I was at was a super small Catholic school, so... You know, I was only there for football, pretty mm -hmm. much. Um, it was like a liberal arts school, so the degree you would have came out with wasn't, like, anything that good. Not knocking anyone who has yeah. that type of degree. But um, it's very general. I think I was doing business or something. And uh, I left there and then uh, went to Palm Beach State for, like, an express semester. Okay. And did, like, it was, like, eight weeks. Got, you know, A's in both of the classes. And then I went to UCF for the first time. And that was, like, pretty rough. Now, you came, moved back. How was that transition moving back? Now, you know, back in your hometown, did you, you know, hit up the same guys you were hanging out with? Or were you kind of, like, chilling, waiting to go to UCF? What was that transition like? Uh, I knew I was going to go to UCF, but um, I was kind of hanging out with some people who weren't doing much. Yeah. And uh, also, too, just partying a lot. Yeah. And also, like, uh, having surgery, you know, it kind of exposed me to another side of partying. Yeah. So I was kind of stuck on that. And, uh, but, you know, thankfully, uh, not anymore at all. So Good. Now, when you went up to UCF, you said, you know, it was a little rough for a bit. You don't have to dive into it too much if you want, but what was that experience like being away from home and kind of figuring shit out? Uh, I think I was missing football. Yeah. So that was something new. Playing sports your whole life and then not playing is kind of a shock to anybody, no matter what level you're at. Yeah. Um. And uh, it was a huge school, so there was lots of opportunity to party and stuff. Right. You're on your own. You're on your own. Uh, the Catholic college I was at, like, it was so strict. Like, you had, like, you could only have a girl in your dorm with the door open from, like, wow. 8 to 10 p.m. on Fridays or something. They were strict with that shit, too? Yeah, it's no crazy. No way. So, um, I, you know, I kind of went extreme with it. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't really going to the classes or anything. I think I was, but don't really remember much of yeah. it. And uh, we're just kind of up there BSing, so. So I don't want to dive too much into it, but, like, you said you struggled a little bit with, um, you know, what you were exposed to after the surgeries. And so, like, what, what kind of prescriptions did they give you to help you recover? Um, so they gave me, like, Percocets, but right. that wasn't what – I only took, like, the prescribed amount. Mm -hmm. But that kind of opened my mind into there being other things besides, like, just – 
the typical party stuff you do in high school, like weed and alcohol. Right. So um, someone, like, introduced me to Xanax, and then that kind of, you know, I think naturally I had anxiety. Right. Um, like, a little more than most people do. Mm-hmm. So then that kind of was making me feel good in my head. Yeah. But uh, I was looking ridiculous to everyone else. Mm. So uh, kind of had a little issue with that for, like, a year, year and a half. Then this is around, you know, early 2014 uh, till pretty much the, well, really uh, when I left the school in late 2013 Mm. and then, you know, through towards the end of uh, 2014. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to touch on it a little bit just because I feel like it's a pretty common scenario that people find themselves in. You know, you get yourself some sort of major injury or uh, major surgery is required and the doctor gives you this prescription for, I mean, these drugs are powerful you know and because they come from the doctor though it's justified you know why you use them you know and um but like you said sometimes it opens your eyes to you know another route and uh it's really easy i think to fall down you know that rabbit hole of it's there's a fine line between like what's needed for your recovery and then like abusing it after the fact and i think it's something that it's not talked a, about enough. A lot of people that are get put in that situation struggle with, and, you know, don't talk about it, you know, because it is, you know, something that most people don't want to be open about yeah. most of the time. But so many people get put in that scenario and struggle with the exact same thing. And, uh, I mean, what was it for you that kind of helped you get over that hurdle or made you realize I got to start doing something different? Uh, well, basically, I kind of overdosed. Yeah. So I had a lot of scares before, like a car accident, Um, you know, obviously people telling me you're doing crazy stuff, Uh, no like arrests or anything like that. But um, basically I got um, some cough syrup from some kid and drank way too much of that uh, combined with like a little bit of Xanax, a little bit of weed, and then I ended up in the hospital. And then they, uh, they basically thought I was trying to commit suicide. So they shipped me to, like, some detox center. And then from there, they shipped me to, like, some program, uh, like a rehab program, like in Minnesota. Mm. So really going through all that, I'm not going to, not knocking the uh, AA and NA stuff. Um, but the whole time I was there, people were kind of telling me, like, you don't really need to be here. Mm. You kind of, you're you're not, like, shooting up heroin. or right. Like, you're not as extreme as these other people. I think you kind of just got a little depressed with your injury. And then uh, also finding out about your birth mother kind of recently and that she wasn't, you know, in a good place, really. Mm. Um, And not playing football. Were those uh, the things, do you agree with that? You think internally that's kind of what you were uh, battling at the time? Yeah, to an extent, like, for the most part. But also, too, I think um, just kind of liked partying. Yeah. And like, I are you a person did that has an addictive personality? You think naturally? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And I, uh, pretty sure. Yeah, me too, man. I th- I'm one of those. So it's like, as soon as you know, I had no intention of ever taking a pill or doing anything like that. Right. But once I had the surgery and I kind of had to do it, mm-hmm. it opened up like a box, you know. Right. I think, first off, thank you for telling your story. I know that's not easy to talk yeah, about. Yeah, no, at thanks. All. I think. People are more badass and so much stronger for being able to tell the world this. You know, guys, it's not easy being on camera and telling your story. I'll tell that straight <laughs> up. And you know, it, it's it's you know, you're being vulnerable and you're exposing yourself, which is like 
to, it's not masculine. It's, it's hard to do, you know, it, it's kind of to, to open up. But why I think it's so powerful is, as I always reiterate, we're all going through shit or we've gone through shit, right? And um, your story parallels so many stories I know about in so many, in so many different ways. But as you touched on, I don't think that doctors should be prescribing the drugs that they do prescribe. I know, I've told my family, if I'm ever in a situation where I need... Like surgery because I'm in pain. Right. Never give me that sh- that pain killing shit. Yeah. I have such an addictive personality. I know the Adderall was the same way. Right? The doctor the prescribes yep. it. You can. It's easy to justify. Yep. It's like it's. It can't be that bad. Yep. You know. Like they give it to kids. That's right. And then that just snowballs into the next and into the next because you said, like you said, it opens up a side of your mind. It was like I've never felt that way before. And that's why they say heroin was the most addictive drug because after the first high, which is the best high of ever, you know, you always chase. You always that. chase that first high. Mm-hmm. Um. So I want I want to thank you for telling your story. You know it, it's incredible that the you know the path you've gone down. And obviously at the time it was hell. You know getting yourself out of that probably. You know I I went to the hospital in high school for uh, drinking too much. Yeah, and I remember I, I remember when I woke up in the hospital holding my mom's hand. It was a oh fuck moment. It yeah. was a you know I got to check my shit fast because um, it's the it's it's a horrible feeling. And I, I drank too much and I was young and naive and all this shit as life happens but um but you you try to learn and you try to grow from it and i think to to look at you now in the position you are and now it's amazing to see that because i'm sure you wouldn't be as humble in the person you are now if it wasn't for that how how much of that do you think was attributed to the crew you were hanging out with at the time how much i think it's always interesting when i talk to people and i see what they're doing and then who they're hanging out with and i Mm. put the two together was was it the people you were hanging out with that really kind of? Yeah, I think I think it was an issue with the whole town in general. Yeah, like, yeah. and people kind of phased into it at different points. Yeah. and I was kind of always like the early partier, mm. so I know plenty of people who had like a pill problem or something. You know, years after, mm-hmm. or maybe they they still have one. Right. Um. Because like I said, this kind of all ended in like late 2014, but um, definitely the crew. I mean, like, in. Like, senior year, people were doing all types of drugs, um, especially at Jupiter. It was kind of cool. Not cool, really, but different seeing the uh, two high schools, Dwyer versus Jupiter. Yeah. yeah. Um, at Dwyer, it was mostly just, you know, weed, beer. At Jupiter, kids are, like, Got doing coke. Yeah. They're doing Molly. But I think Molly, at that time, kind of... It was popular. It was, was like, a trend. Everywhere. Right. It was in, like, a couple songs. That's, I mean, that's... Un- Unfortunately, it's the way it goes. Yeah. Like now, Percocet is huge. It's in every single rap song, yeah. and everyone wants to be popping Perks because the, their favorite rapper is rapping about it. That's At that time, it was say. Molly. Trinidad yeah. James had just popped a Molly and started <laughs> yeah, sweating, yeah, yeah. and everyone wanted to sweat. Right. That's something else I was going to say earlier is music, unfortunately. I know you guys are talking about how great it is. Yeah. Obviously, music has different you know, effects on everybody, and I have mostly positive effects, but... I think everyone can kind of attest to music wanting them to maybe party if they're hearing a certain type of song. For sure. Or, you know, if even when you think you're tough as a kid and you hear, you know, a lot of these rap lyrics and stuff, you try to live that out, even if you're not from that environment. Mm-hmm. And it's super fake and not knocking the rappers because they really, you know, live that life and all right. that stuff. But uh, there's a lot of people in the suburbs, things like that, who try to live it live out the music and not realize that it's just lyrics and really they don't have to do any of that, but it sounds cool. So I think, uh, some of that played into 
what was going on with me with some of my issues. Yeah. I think when you really connect with a rapper and you're bumping that shit every day and right. you feel them, you know, as we talked about, music's such a powerful thing and it goes from, damn, this, this shit slaps to, like you said, I want to live like that because right. I, I look up to him in a way. You know, like, I knew in high school a lot of people were on Mac Miller and then when yeah. he died, uh, unfortunately, a few years ago, I, I knew a lot of people that were crushed by that. You know, yeah. because a lot of their high school upbringing... We were just vibing in cars, listening to Mac Miller, Donald Trump, you know, and yeah. those songs that he, he put out. Um, and then when he passed, they, they literally affected them as if someone they knew. Right. So music and these artists, they are artists. And the, what they put out is is feeling and, and, and puts this vibe in your head that affects you. And, like, it's your upbringing, you know, these... Yeah. These these you know these songs that come out. I'm getting a Mac Miller portrait tatted on me um, in September. You're a big real. Mac fan. Yeah. Yeah. That's like well, it. It reminds me of like a very iconic time in my life. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Mac fan, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm the biggest Mac fan ever. I'm sure there's someone that's much more diehard than me, but it just reminds me of such a great time in my life, and uh, yeah, just paying homage. I'm getting a Juice World one too. Where yes. are you back? On my chest. I've got like room. I've got forever grateful across yeah, my yeah, chest yeah. right here, but there's room on my chest like underneath. And my boy Mills Art, shout out Mills Art at Unforgettable Ink. Really great at micro portraits. We're gonna do four micro portraits right across my chest. So I'm gonna do a bunch of dead rappers. No shit. Did you, did you like Pop Smoke? Not in the, uh, okay. So I liked Pop Smoke, but I would feel like I'd be fake if I got him tatted on me. You know, I didn't listen to him till he died. You know, um, and I mean, I have no shame admitting that. Same with Nipsey Hussle. I think Nipsey Hussle might be one of the portraits. I really rarely listen to Nipsey until after he died. But I also really fuck with a lot of the stuff he says and what he stands for and stuff. So I'll just admit it. I wasn't a diehard Nipsey fan while he was alive, but I'm still going to get his face tatted on me. Fuck it. You know, so, so I will say this, though, real quick. I wanted to get Kevin Gates as a portrait because I fuck with Kevin Gates heavy. Hard, yeah. But... He's still alive, and he's such, a, like, a freaky dude that I feel like he might do some weird shit before he dies. Or, like, maybe, I hope he doesn't, but what if he does some weird, freaky shit before he dies, and now I got the man's face tatted on yeah. me, and he's got a bad reputation all of a sudden, That's you know? True. So, dead rappers only, I think. It's gonna be uh, Mac, Juice World, XXX, and Nipsey, I'm pretty sure. XXX was here in Pompano when he passed. Yeah, so I bought my motorcycle at the dealership, he got popped no up. No shit. Yeah. Um... I'm so happy we brought this up. I was thinking about it earlier this week, uh, a good talking point, uh, and it's two people who are really into rap. Who are your top three rappers, a hot take right now, top three rappers of all time? <laughs> so hard. Okay, of, of all, all time, time or yeah. right now? Uh, your, your favorite top three rappers ever. Ever? Yeah. Fuck, it's so hard, dude. It's so hard. I got I got it. Go at least, it. I'll probably say... You could say three to five. I said five was a little too much. I'll so. go with Gucci. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chief Keef. Okay. Still listen to him. No shit. Yeah. Chief Keef was Brick Squad. Was that a No, that's Gucci. Well, he signed okay. to Gucci at one point, okay. but uh he's uh he does his own. Chief thing, Keef yeah. at that time was like Glory Gang, Glory oh, Boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh and then Future. Yeah. Okay. Legend. Uh Young Thug. Okay. okay. It's a good one. I actually have a list on my phone of top ten. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh I'd throw in for five. Like an Eminem? No. 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 <laughs> I mean, he's, he's great. He's a legend. Yeah. He's just a legend, not personally but my favorites. For me, yeah. What about like Jay Z, no. Wayne? Never... I think uh, where we're from, you know, and same thing with like the Nipsey Hustle thing. I think he was big in California. Yeah. Right, right. Jay Z's big in New York. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know anyone in South Florida that was really bumping them like that. Right. Uh, I might throw in uh, Kodak Black, maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 
How about you? I, I want to have like two lists, you know? I want like the legends list, but then also like my top five more. Like, I don't listen to any of those people anymore for the most part, you know? Mm-hmm. Except for like Gucci. Gucci somehow is still making songs and they're still bangers. <laughs> that man is the true goat. Because he's got, like, 7,000 songs out there. He must. Me and Matt were bumping Gucci every fucking day in the car in 2013. And I'm still bumping Gucci every day in the tattoo shop in 2021, bro. He's on fire. He's timeless. So, yeah, I'm going to throw Gucci at the top of the list just for that reason. He stayed the most relevant the longest, I think. Um, You did throw Lil Wayne in there. What about Lil Wayne? Well, I'll say he, like... As far as personal favorites, but I think the consensus is he was definitely the top rapper for... Yeah. Around that time, you know, like middle school and high school, Wayne was a big contender, you know, but then he sort of fell off after that. He's had like, in the last year, he's dropped like a couple verses that I thought were okay, but for the last five years, he's sort of... I'd say off, Future right? is pretty consistent too. Future's still putting out fire songs. Well, a lot of people would think you're crazy for not putting Drake on that list. But it's a personal list. Right. I would put yeah, him yeah. on like a no, most successful list. Worldwide, yeah, right. And basing off success, you know, yeah. Jay-Z might be in there, Drake. Right, right. But uh, a personal Little Wayne, list. Eminem. Yeah. But personally, well, you, you know, you can't go more than five songs shuffling through my phone without a Gucci song. No yeah, way. Yeah. That's, crazy. That's how many songs he has. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he is timeless, you're the right. The Easter Dan of Santa, baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Remember track seven? Yeah. That was Jeezy, though. <laughs> yeah. Jeezy's a good one. Brick Squad. Dude. I hated when they were beefing, you know? Yeah, like, right. It's kind of like, I like both. <laughs> it affects you. Yeah, what side do I take? Hey, I, I take it serious. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys know that new rapper, Fulio. Yeah. He's beefing with Kodak now. Uh. So I deleted every Fulio song. <laughs> On my phone, I literally went, I was talking to my girl, I watched the video on YouTube where he was calling out Kodak, and I'm just sitting there deleting it. (laughs) Can't do it. But Kodak, for everyone watching too, Kodak is like a local rapper, and we know a kid who used to be his manager. Right, right, Alex Jr. Um, That's right. And now he's NBA Youngboy's manager. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. He's that high up? Yeah. So I was managing Kodak back in the day, bro. This kid, Alex, lived four houses down from me. Right. So I felt like, you know, okay, maybe I kind of know Kodak. <laughs> <laughs> but he is from, you know, 30, 40 minutes from where we're from. Yeah, right. so he's he's Pompano, like a little, right? What, what was it? He's Pompano. Pompano, Pompano yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he was the one that drove... Taking sides. <laughs> he was the one that drove the green Camaro to school. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He did all the production like, for all football the and all that. That was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He pushed that shit every. I'd see. What was that club? He's a hustler. Look where it got him. What was that place that they did all the club cinema? Yeah, down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. You talking about? That was the Molly phase. Yeah, it was. That place was bad. (laughs) That place was bad. (laughs) (laughs) I only went like twice. I never been. Not to a rave. Well, I went to one rave thing. Terrible. (laughs) I couldn't get into the music. Yeah. And then I went to an MGK concert there. Oh shit! That was crazy. And actually, uh. I remember telling Evan in the bathroom there, hey, I know who my Barely birth mom residue. is. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Say it one more time. I was telling Evan, I'm like, yo, I found out who my birth mother was. There? Yeah, I was I in the bathroom. But that's, and, and I don't even remember telling him. He told me a week later that I told him there. But that's oh, how shit. bad it used to get, you know? Really? I used to literally be like blacked out, you know? Thinking about it, yeah. No, not thinking. I'd yeah, be blacked yeah. out like... When I was on the uh, prescriptions and stuff. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Like, people would tell me events, you know, and I'd be like, really? I have no recollection of it. Losing wallets, you know, waking up 
at, you know, some UCF apartment on the yeah. floor. Ridiculous stuff. So that stuff, guys, stay, you know, stay away from it. Yeah. Seriously. It's not cool. You hear it in rap songs. Yeah. Uh, or even if your doctor pushes it on you, like, it's a, it's a trap. Yeah. It's a hot trap real fast. Yeah. And it, it gets the most innocent people, you know, that, that would never even touch that shit. And they try, right. you know. Um, so after you got done with the treatment and you came back, how was that integration back into real life? It was a little different. Uh, I went to like a, <laughs> like a halfway house. Okay. And uh, it was kind of ridiculous. Like it was like a mansion on the water in Jupiter. What? Yeah. And it was literally like... Uh, it costs, you know, like probably 8K a month, so, wow. you know, ridiculous numbers. But uh, when you have someone you love, like family, if they're going through something, you know, they're pretty much willing to spend whatever to try yeah. to get you right. Um, but it just was kind of funny thinking of like, you know, I'm in this mansion. Mm-hmm. It's like a halfway house. Um, so what's that mean exactly, a halfway house? It's like you're transitioning out of treatment before you go home. That's the halfway. Right. But the stupidest thing was like, this halfway house was like a mile and a half from my real house. So what do they have you doing there? Like everyone from there was from like New Jersey, Philly, mm-hmm. all these random places. Like they're away. Right. So uh, it was pretty miserable. Um, and I remember they, they took me to Publix my first weekend. And I spent like, you know, 250 300 on groceries, which I thought was normal. And they were like calling my parents like, this kid is... Uh, He's got to, like, learn how to budget. <laughs> and they're like, nah, it's fine. Like, <laughs> let him do what he wants, you know. We, we just want him to get better. Yeah. Uh, Is it basically like house arrest? Like, are you not allowed to leave the house? Or No, you can't leave. And le- It was terrible. Like, you have to do everything as a group. So there was, like, six, seven guys in there. Yeah. And, uh, like, if I went to get a haircut, everyone had to come. If <laughs> these kids went to get a tan, which, you know, I'm not getting a tan. <laughs> these kids, I had to go and sit there. Imagine going to knock on Matt's door like he's playing Xbox or something. Hey, man, Bro, you, you gotta come go. with me or you're going to be tan. And then uh, you know, I'm not we do everything tan. together. And it's funny, too. They they were stupid. They kind of put us in bad environments. Like the first night, they're like, let's go to Yard House. <laughs> what? With the bar? Yeah, this place has like the most beers in yeah, the world fuck. or something on, ta- on tap. Right. It's like they're baiting you, bro. They're yeah, like, exactly. I, I met up with like uh, my girlfriend at the time. Where I think we had broken up. And uh, I just wanted her to see me because I was fresh out of this, yeah. like, rehab. Yeah, thing. yeah. And then they they were telling me, like, they thought I was going to book it, like, from Yard House. Oh, my house. God. And I'm like, no, I was just trying to see her. And then, uh, <laughs> but basically, you just sit there. They do some, like, morning reading. You go to, like, a few meetings here or there, either NA or AA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they had some phases where you kind of, like, get more privileges and stuff. I remember, like... I, I, like, eventually got my car. Mm. Uh, then they let me work. So, like, I could drive to work. And then... Uh, was treatment out of state? Yeah, I was in, like, Minnesota. Minnesota yeah. Middle of... I didn't, you know, I had no clue where I was. Yeah. And treatment is terrible. Like, like you have no phone, no music. Nothing? It's like a luxury jail, in a way. Really? Like, like, except you're with a lot more people. But a lot of them are, like... Not that great of people yeah. either, you know. A lot of them, it's their sixth time. Yeah. Uh, they have no intention. They're just plotting on the next thing to do once they get out. They're mm-hmm. going straight back to their drug. Uh, you know, you can you don't even really go outside. Like, you can go on this porch for a little bit. Uh, 
there was like an indoor basketball court, but it was like getting rec time. You know, you got mm. like an hour a day. Mm. There were some weights and stuff. And really the people, you know, no one in there is in a good spot. So you're dealing with all types of drama. Mm. Right. Uh, it wasn't that. The food was pretty good at the one I was at. Yeah. But um, it was terrible. I remember they trapped this kid. This kid like threatened the psychiatrist like that he was going to kill him. So then we went to dinner, and then they they lured this kid. They're like, hey, Mike, we got brownies. We got some extra brownies. You want one? And this kid walks over, right? And then they trap the doors. They lock all the doors. He's the last one in there, and they take they send him the psych ward. <laughs> they trapped him, though. They knew he liked them, too. They're like, hey, Mike, we got some, man. You want some? No one else can really have them. Like, they lured him in. Somehow they timed it to where he was one of the last ones walking out. Maybe he usually was, and they noticed that. But oh my god, they trapped him before. And we're like back in this little like dorm thing, and we're we're like looking outside. There's all these fire trucks and all this stuff, like taking this kid to the psych ward. Oh my god, they got they got him. Um, funny part too. One other funny story when I was in there. So keep in mind, you're in like a locked facility, like. You're not living your daily life. And this psychiatrist was like late for our, our appointment. And I was snapping. I'm like, yo, this dude's wasting my time. This and that. And then they're like, well, what else do you have to do? And that's when I was thinking like, dang, man, you're pretty selfish. Like, you literally have nothing to do. And you're like pissed. And then to come to find out the reason he was late, his wife had a miscarriage. Oh. And I'm like calling all these people pissed going to the receptionist like what is this like where is this guy oh my you know, god i gotta you know write down uh you know what i'm missing today or whatever <laughs> t- activity they had us doing oh man and you know just get like uh you realize you know you gotta kind of chill out like, yeah you, puts things in perspective right you're you're locked down like what what do you have to do <laughs> I was acting like I was missing some meeting and, or something important. Like That's funny, man. You know, I literally was on their schedule. Yeah. So It's tough because I don't know what the answer is to, like, fixing a problem like drug addiction or alcohol addiction or anything like that. But it's like, if you take a fat kid and you put him at fat camp all summer and there's only, like, lettuce, and then you take the fat kid and you put him back in real life where he can walk to McDonald's and shit, it's like... You know, I don't know what's gonna happen, but the fat kid might walk by McDonald's one day and say, "Ah, fuck it." And, and if he was in the camp with all other fat people, yeah, it's not that good. Like if you put a bunch of addicts in one spot, they're gonna start plotting and yeah. doing different things. That's what I found is all the stories were just war stories right. or what they're planning to do. Right. I remember some kid in there like uh, got some privilege to go to the gas station and like he bought all this dip. Mm. And he was in there slinging dip. No shit. For like 20 a can. Yeah. Uh, and the kid, you know, yeah. oh, it was actually me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> but uh, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you put... In, but it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my idea. That's the thing. Some These four kids who were, like, on heroin before <laughs> told me, like... They, to- they told me, they're like, because it was, my- I actually had my birthday in there. So they, I was like, oh, I want to go to church on my birthday. And I was being genuine and everything. And then these kids, they heard I was getting to go out. Mm. And they're like, bro, get us this dip and get Damn. us all this. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. Fuck. So That's so funny. I had it was the sliders actually- on, man. They dropped me over the church. I sprinted. 
to some <laughs> random gas station. I'm in Minnesota, you know, and then I come back, sliders full of dip. Oh my and then, god! Uh, someone ended up telling on me. No. Yeah, and they tried to send me home, and I was like, "Good, get me out of this weird, you know." <laughs> but uh, I'll say this: uh, I think uh, detox centers are a little more productive because mm-hmm. they chemically get you healthy mm-hmm. to where you're off stuff, you withdraw in a healthy way. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't know. I think the chemical part is a little bit more, just as important as the mental part. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because they go hand in hand. I mean, your brain, it's chemicals affecting your brain when you're taking drugs like that, you know? And sometimes they're making you make decisions that you don't want to make, but it's a a chemical imbalance or, you know, something that's going on in your brain that's making you not who you want to be. And you just got to get clean and then try to attack it after that. Right. Was there a physical withdrawal for you? Like, were you... Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? I had so many uh, to the point where it sounds pretty soft, but I would literally get... Like, go in my mom's room and say, I need to sleep with you. Because I had yeah. this thing called mm-hmm. sleep paralysis. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, you literally wake up, your mind's awake, but your body's not. I've had that happen before. Yeah, so I would try to reach for my phone. I would try to speak. I would try to do anything. You can't do it. And then uh, I remember reading one day one way to, like, snap out of it is to, like, count backwards from 100. So that became my new method. But this happened to me... Honestly, 150 times. That's like, really? Because I used to always get off of the Xanax yeah. and stuff, and then a week, two later, go back on mm-hmm. it. So I'd always have these withdrawals. Mm. So, so and that was an effect of yeah. getting off of it? Yeah. Uh, and the other effects, you know, what you read on WebMD and stuff. You feeling know, like, awful. And the, the bad part about, like, Xanax <laughs> and alcohol is, like, you, you can't just go cold turkey. Mm. It's dangerous. Like, you could physically die or, you know, have seizures, but with, uh, like, opioids or opiates, whatever they call them, uh, you can just quit. It's all in your head, really. Yeah. But, like, you physically have to taper off uh, benzos mm. and alcohol. Otherwise, you really risk, like, dying while you're withdrawing. Crazy. So, yeah, I definitely have withdrawals. It's, uh, it, like you said, it is, it, it's crazy. And, you know... Again, I don't know what the answer is. I think there's so many ways to go about it. I think ultimately, if you got to get clean, like you said, and then put yourself in a good environment, I know that fitness was a huge part of your life after that, just from like social media and whatnot. How much do you think that really helped kind of save you and bring you back to a normalcy using the gym and, and that outlet? Uh, I think 100%. Because um, when I basically got out of the rehab thing mm-hmm. in the halfway house, I went to Palm Beach State. And I knew I was going to transfer back to UCF um, and do exercise science as my major, um, which is basically like a degree people do if they want to do sports medicine, physical therapy, be a coach, trainer, chiropractor, things like that. So I had like a direct path. I knew the plan um, and I just worked at it every day. Um, And then once I got up there, like for the second time at UCF, in, like, early 2016, um, I knew, like, this is my shot. I had a lot of chances before, and I knew, like, I have to do this. Um, I, You know, it's something I like. Um, you know, I always liked working out and everything. Yeah, right, that's what I was going to say. In high right school, in. you were, you were in great shape, yeah. fucking ripped, you know. You've yeah. always, that's always been your thing as yeah. long as I've known you. Right. So I was in, uh, and then, you know, I just figured... I'm there, I'm here to take classes and do everything because the last time was so, so much in the opposite direction. Yeah. So I just really focused and I, I had my AA and then uh, basically 
took me like less than two years to finish the bachelor's. But as soon as I got up there, I applied on Indeed. I was just looking at, you know, training jobs mm -hmm. or just gym jobs in general. And I got in with this really great organization. And uh, all the credit really goes to them. They don't, they honestly don't know any of this stuff about my past, but mm -hmm. I kind of recreated myself. Yeah. And I was this new person there. Um, and I was super successful there. Uh, it was a great environment. And what kind of place was that? It was a gym, but not like, you know, your typical Planet Fitness or even LA Fitness or anything. Like, it was like a multidisciplinary health center. Hmm. So it was owned by someone who has a big organization themselves. They own a professional sports team or two teams, actually. And then within the facility, there's like a chiropractor. There's a sports medicine, physical therapy place, gynecologist, dentist, you know, life coach, all types of stuff. It's a 300,000 square foot facility. Wow. So it's super <clears throat> legit. Yeah. Um, people are paying, you know, I was doing the math the other day. One of the guys that I trained, he's literally paying like 2,200 a month to train with me. Yeah. So it's super professional place, really upscale. Uh, and that kind of just kept me accountable knowing like, I basically started off there just working the floor, re-racking the weights, doing like this little abs class. Mm -hmm. I remember I saw I, Nick I did, there yeah, and he did it with time. me. And I think I had my certification by then, but I waited till I graduated yeah. to yeah. actually start taking on clients. Yeah. So I always had like, uh, you know, the transition of going from the fitness attendant to trainer while I was in school, knowing what these trainers are like making and how they're helping people mm -hmm. and everything. So I had that direct path. For a little bit, I wanted to do physical therapy too. Uh, just dealing with it myself with all the surgeries. Yeah. Um, and then I just ended up training and then uh, did that for a few years. And then uh, now I switched careers again, but it's still kind of the same <laughs> thing, helping people get to a goal um, and just changing their lives, you know? Yeah. And now you're in the finance industry, correct? Right, right. What What was that like, realization? You, you know, you're training people, you're doing really well with that. I don't know where you're like, you know, screw it. I want to try something different. Or are you not feeling fulfilled? Like what, what route was it? So, um, finance has always been in my family. Yeah. So I kind of knew I wanted to do it at some point, but it's a lot harder doing it when you're younger. Mm -hmm. So one of the good things was getting out into the world, dealing with these affluent people, um, training them, getting some sales experience, um, just having some real life experience. And then, um, the gym closed a little bit for COVID, yeah. and then we reopened. Then there was this hailstorm, and the gym got damaged, and it was it was shut down for like seven months, something ridiculous. So I was training on my own, uh, kind of like renting out uh, or just paying this person a percentage uh, per week, you know, of my sessions mm -hmm. using her facility, going to clients' homes, uh, doing some virtual stuff on Skype, right. uh, Zoom, FaceTime. Yeah. And then uh, I f one day I was just like, you know, let me, uh, this is a good opportunity. You know, I'm, I have a lot of life experience now, know how businesses go. Started looking at like the similarities of, you know, finance versus what I'm doing. And there's a lot of crossover, uh, different product, you know, way different risk and stuff. But you're pretty much doing the same thing is because it's a service that people don't necessarily need. But if you want to be good at it, then you should get a professional to help you. Like you can look up whatever exercise works a specific muscle, all the stuff's out there. Right. Same with all the stuff about finance. Mm -hmm. It's all out there. But um, 
if you really want to be serious about your goal, you know, you should get with a professional. Yeah. And then uh, I was looking at all the similarities and just thinking this is a good time and uh, just took, you know, the first license, passed it. Um, and then from there, you know, I just kept passing them. Now I'm working in it and uh, still fairly new. Um, so just very, very so much in the beginning stages of it. Still doing the personal training as well? No. Yeah. Uh, 100% into the finance stuff. Um, it would be like kind of a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can technically still do it, but I want to give this my all. Yeah. Um, training will always be there just in case. Sure. Um, I'm going to keep up my certifications. Smart. Um, and I have that background. You know, I have the degree in it. So that's one thing I think people should do is, uh, especially if you're going to be like an entrepreneur, is find something at least you're kind of good at and try to get certified or, you know, whatever might be licensed and then like go out and do other things. So you can always have a, something to fall back on yeah. because uh, when you're trying to be like an entrepreneur and you really have, you know, you're just trying a million different things that are random you can really get lost. And I just think it's a little easier and to have something that you could fall back on. Not that you're going to go back to it and fail, you know, at what you're trying. Sure. But um, it's just always good to have that in your back pocket. Have a skill, have a trade, some type of designation, certification. Right. So then you can, uh, you could even do that while you're trying the That's other right. stuff to yeah. supplement your income. That's because right. as an entrepreneur, you guys all know, like in the beginning, you're not making anything. Right. So it's just nice to have that transition. Right. So if someone could like be a barber, right. but they want to try to do something else, but they still have that license yeah. or, you know, it can apply to so many different things. Absolutely. It's about building that foundation. We talked about this. It's about building that foundation of a skill, though. Like, like you said, a lot of people miss out on that. Like, build some, build a skill that makes you rare and that makes you bring something to, to the table. Add value. Talking, that adds value instantly to something. Yeah. If you're a carpenter and you can show up on a job site and you know carpentry, you know, in my field, that adds value immediately. And like you said, you'll have comfort in any venture you go down. If you have that, to, if you have that to fall back on, A or B, you could supplement your income, or C, you know you have that skill to bring to the table regardless. Right. Um, and uh, I think that was genius of you making that transition. You have, you know, your book of clients and clientele, and you know how it works with personal training. You know that's there, but you pursued this blind, you know, you know, blinders on and really going after. It. I think that's great. It builds like your portfolio too, yeah. and like your personal resume. You yeah. know, so like even if the finance route doesn't end up being your forever career, I'm sure you'll learn a ton while you're doing what you're doing now. And whatever your next move is, this will carry with you, you know, and just make you that more valuable wherever you go next. And you'll carry that with you. Right. And maybe even it is you go back to personal training, but now you're running like an empire of personal trainers, you know, because of everything, everything you've learned. Right. Even similar to like, um, the time that I spent working for the liquor distributor, you know, um, I, I came from managing the bar, went and worked for the liquor distributor for a long time and ended up going back to the bar. But when I went back, everything that I had learned from working on the other end of the business made me so much more valuable and uh, efficient when I went back for the second time, you know, because of the skills and everything you pick up. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. Just diversifying your own portfolio and like trying to trying to monetize what you enjoy and what your skills are is never going to work against you, I don't think. Right. And the only thing on that is don't spread yourself too thin. Have an identity as something, mm -hmm. you know, like, 
I, sometimes I'll talk to people and they're like, yeah, I'm doing hair on the side. I'm doing a little bit of tattooing. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm like, what the fuck are you actually doing, bro? You know, like pick one. You know, there's people you I, meet. I can like, think of someone right now. Yeah. You know. And you're like. <laughs> Every like three months, yeah. you get a, an invitation on Facebook <laughs> to like their new business. Yeah, page. Yeah. And it's like. Oh, and, and, yeah. and so that doesn't mean don't dip your toes in the water of things, but have an identity that you bring to the table because you saying that you're five different things, like sick, you know, it's a cool Instagram bio. Right. But like, what the fuck is that? You know, mm-hmm. um, because if I have, if I'm talking to someone and I want to hire them or think about them in a professional sense and they do five things, I'm like, okay, well, that's not for me. Yeah. Off the rip. Um, Sam also said it, I think, really well when we had him on. And he said, you shouldn't really be taking advice from someone that doesn't actually do, do yeah. what you make their living doing what you're trying to learn from right. them. And I think the same thing goes for like the self-proclaimed entrepreneur or like all those titles that you could put in your Instagram bio. You shouldn't really be claiming any of those things unless you have established that business, you know, and it's something that you're giving your all and monetized, you know, I mean, I guess I say, take that back almost as I'm saying it because we promote this podcast and it's not something we necessarily have monetized, but yeah. That's like in a little bit of a different sense, but you know what I'm saying. Like, well, it's, there's a difference also too between it's a passion project for us. At one point in the future, if it's monetizable, sweet, you right. know. But like, I'm not making, I'm not claiming to make my household income on this podcast. I'm not a professional podcast. I'm not a professional. Pod, like, if someone asks me what I do, I'm a contractor. Right, right. right. Um, so, and as Noro said, I don't claim to be something until I'm making a living off of it. You know, yeah. and when we talked about his identity as a rapper. He was like, you know, until I'm bringing home paychecks and I'm paying my bills with it, it's hard for me to claim myself as a rapper. Yeah. Um, so, so, and, and to you people out there, like, it's no shade if you want to be an entrepreneur, but realize that, like, it's not, A, as glamorous as it seems. There's a lot of stress behind that. Mm-hmm. And, and B, fucking pick something and don't be cliche about it. Just say you're an entrepreneur for the hell of it. You know, like, there's... There's a lot that goes into it, you know, that it's it's kind of this new thing with Gen Z and young millennials to be like, oh, I'm a business owner, you know, I I uh, make $10,000 on Amazon last week, like, you know. It's and just, if you do, fuck yeah, that's yeah, great, yeah, yeah. you know, like, I, I love that we live in such a, like, business owner, yeah. entrepreneur style world, you know, I like the opportunity that's there, but, uh. It just shouldn't be like a facade or a front, you know? It's not like the, it shouldn't be the cool thing to yeah. do. It should be like what makes sense for your life, you know? And like, I'm not, I didn't become a tattoo artist because I thought it was cool to be a tattoo artist. Yeah. Like, it was a combination of a skill that I have and something that I could, you know, do every single day yeah. and make a living off of and enjoy and grow. Um, but to just claim to be an entrepreneur for the sake of being it, like, yeah. that's not the point, you know? It's to make a life for yourself that you, truly enjoy living you know and that's that's what you want your future to be it's not just a title yeah. to put in your instagram bio and i guess it almost aggravates me in, a, in an initial sense because it makes it seem everything like glamorous you know like yay where in the fact of like it annoys me because a lot of people get into a business or they try something new and it sucks and there's a lot of confusion and whatnot and they're like well if this person's living a beautiful life and they just got a new car and they just started entrepreneuring a year ago and i'm you know 10,000 in the, in the, in the red and I'm trying to figure my shit out. Fuck it. I quit, you know? So in reality, there's pros and cons to it, but know that, you know, if you start something new and you're going through shit and you're figuring everything out, it's normal. You know, it's all part of the process. Um, okay. Last, uh, thing, um, on the podcast state, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Mm, A lot. (laughs) Hmm. 
tough one. Yeah, there's a lot. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, I don't know. I think I usually just kind of exit out once I think it's BS. Yeah. Mm. And I don't even remember it, you know? Yeah. I only kind of remember the good stuff. So I'll say that. What's the best advice you ever received? Really? Just like the Nike slogan, you know? Just, just do, do it. it. <laughs> and like you guys were saying, uh, I don't know if it was on your freestyle one or mm-hmm. one with a guest, but uh, there's always someone who has done the path before you that you're trying to yeah. do. Like, there's really no reason you can't do it. Yeah. And I, th- I know you guys for sure said it. Like, you'll never uh, know that you can't do it if you don't try it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you have to just go in and try it. You know, take a calculated yeah. risk, like you said. But yeah. uh, you definitely have to try it. Otherwise, you always just sit there and never make any progress. Yeah. You know, it would have been real easy for me. Uh, like with the finance stuff to say, oh, no, you know, look at the size of this book or all the, these formulas or whatever, you know, no way. Right. Uh, I mean, you I slid did. through that part pretty quick. You passed and got the certifications, but the, you were telling us earlier off camera, there was a lot of studying and a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of learning that had to go into you passing those certifications, right? It wasn't right. just you took the test and you knew the stuff. Yeah, they're pretty in-depth, you know, everything is... Uh, it's a grind. It's a hustle. Yeah. Right. It doesn't come easy. No. And you but can't just get into the, the industry, you know. A lot of people think it's like, you know, your connections or anything like that. Or maybe your dad's in it and that's why he's in, you're in, or different things like that. But uh, you have to pass all these exams, you know, to, to even try to get an interview with someplace. Right. So. Uh, and for the people that, you know, have help getting their foot in the door, whether it's through a family member or through a relationship, that really shouldn't be knocked, you know? Because yeah. if you're going to go and be successful in that thing, them getting you your foot in the door is a huge help. Yeah. But you still have to show up every day and perform in order to be successful, you know? You're like, going to get exposed if you're not If you're not real, you right. Oh, you guys want to leave me on one more funny high school story? Maybe yeah. Come to mind? Give me one. Oh, man. <laughs> uh... There's a lot. Dude, the first one that comes to mind, I don't want to say, I don't think. I, it's probably not a good one. Um, I mean, it's a great one. I don't know, we've probably, said a lot. <laughs> uh, this one's bad. Okay. We should. <laughs> um, fuck, Matt, you got anything? There's so Stories? That's, that are funny, or we mm-hmm. thought were funny at the time? <laughs> how about, now okay, we look back I've got how stupid one. it is. Holy shit. So... Do you remember when we were going through the phase? Or, I mean, everyone. This was another thing that just like swept the town. It felt like where people were smoking the spice that you could oh, get from God. the gas station. My sister, Mr. Nice Guy, <laughs> and then all the other different variations uh, that came after that. Yeah. It was like artificial weed, you know, that you could buy over the counter at the gas station. And I don't know if like you were parents were drug testing you at the time. Maybe why were we uh, even smoking the spice? I know there was a point yeah. where they were, but also too. Um, one time I got in trouble at school. Right. So I had to do this like little youth court thing. Right. And uh, had to go to like the courthouse and do drug tests there. Right. So you were getting drug tested one way or another. So we started smoking spice from the gas station because it didn't show up on a drug test. And uh, what was that high? I never smoked it before. Oh man, it was so hit or miss. Like <laughs> it was sometimes it was like smoking weed. There were definitely some times when we must have enjoyed it because we did it so many times. But there were a handful of really bad experiences where you'd feel like you're having a fucking heart attack. But I remember one in particular where we used to go to this neighborhood right across the street from Dwyer where Blake Coriati used to live. And it was a gated community. Evergreen? And it was just, Evergreen? Um, no, um, I used to live in Evergreen. Yeah, yeah. His was Legends of the Gardens. Okay. Right behind, you know, next to Benjamin, behind Dwyer. 
and the gate was like one of those combination codes, you know, so you could just get in even if you didn't live there, mm-hmm. if you knew the code. So that's where we would go to smoke because it was like cops aren't going to roll up on you in this gated yeah. community, you know, you're safe once you're in there. And so it's before school one day, me and Matt are smoking this spice joint and uh, we're just sitting outside the car smoking, whatever. It's a normal ass morning. And um, then we finish the joint. We're going to school and Matt's like, hey, bro, do you want to drive to school? I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. So I'm driving Matt's car. We rolled around everywhere. You, you were smoking real weed. Was I? Yeah. And that was the bad part about the spice is you can't compare it to real weed. Like you would... You were going to smoke a joint of real weed, which yeah. is normal. But a whole joint of the spice right. will, like, a lot. mess you up. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So that's what it was. So I smoked a full real joint, yeah. and that's what made you smoke a full, full. joint of spice. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt smokes the full spice joint. Thank God I smoked real weed. I'm glad about that. Um, but I drive back to school in the Red Ford Escape, which is where we rode everywhere. And... and yeah, uh, if not in dude, this drive to school, I'm not joking. You can see Dwyer yeah, from yeah, the neighborhood yeah. we're in. The drive is less than five minutes. Halfway there, Matt, I look over and he's like <laughs> touching his face and his body and stuff. And I'm like, bro, are you good? And you're like, nah, bro, everything hurts. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And he's just fucking touching himself going, dude, everything hurts. And I'm like, bro, are you good? What do you like? Should I take you to the hospital? And he's like, nah, man, nah, I don't think so. Just keep going to school. I'm like, all right, man. Like, the hospital was past the school. So I'm thinking I'll keep driving to school, but before I turn in the school, we'll have one more chance to check if we need to go to the hospital. (laughs) So I'm I'm about to pull up to Dwyer, and I'm like, dude, like, are we going to school or are we going to the hospital? You're like, nah, man, just go to school. I'm like, all right, all right, bet. Just go to the the nurse, you know? Like, walk into the school and go straight to the nurse and tell them you went to class and just weren't feeling good, and then they can send you home. So that's what I thought he was going to do. We pull into the parking lot. I park, and we're going to go to class, but Matt doesn't get out of the car. He's still standing there, like, touching, sitting in the car, touching his face and stuff. And so I get out of the car to, like, help him out of his seat. And when he gets out of the car, he stands up and, like, collapses pretty much. Like, your legs gave out. And I'm holding him up. He, he gets his shit together real quick. I'm like, all right, bro, just go into the school and go to the nurse. I had already decided I'm skipping first period. Yeah. I, I stayed in the car for the whole first period and took a nap. Like, all right, man, just go to the nurse, bro. Just go to the nurse, tell him you don't feel good, and then you can come back out and go home, you know? He's like, all right, all right. He goes off. I think he's going to the nurse, right? I lay the seat back in the car. I take a nap for first period. My alarm goes off. It's time to wake up and go to school now. I get out of the car, and I'm walking up to Dwyer, and there's Matt sitting on the sidewalk just leaning against the school. And I'm like, bro, he was just out of eyesight from the car. Yeah, that's right around the corner. Right around the corner. I'm like, Oh, Matt. <laughs> so many people walked by me. So many people. I remember, this, uh, what was his name? Nick something. Uh, Cordero? No, his brother played Asana? baseball. Asana? Trepkos? Martin? Sapaki. Sapaki, yeah. I remember he's like, bro, are you straight? And I was like... <laughs> and he's like, whoa. You know, and I was like, bro, it's all good. <laughs> And, like, so many people asked me. And I remember I had never talked to him before either. But I must have been that messed up that he up. was like, yo, you like... Were you sitting, like, any side or literally slumped up against No, the I think I was laying back, bro. Sitting up on the against, ground. like, some gate. Yeah, the side gate. And, and this like describes Dwyer to anyone who doesn't know it. Like, 
At some points, Dwyer was such a fucking joke. Pete was literally sleeping in the car in the parking lot. Matt it was slumped. Up <laughs> no one the found school. you for a whole hour. No, so well, people, people were like skipping. By. I think yeah. they were skipping class and going out of that. That thing. was the gate you go out to skip. Wait, what gate were you talking about? The two thousand. Yeah, yeah, Holy yeah. shit! I was just gonna say I don't yeah. remember the buildings. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I know exactly. That's the only one I really remember. Where the new 2000 met the old 2000. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're in the, the front of the school, right. it's to the right. Like yeah. You were sitting right there, no one fucking saw you the whole first period. A ton no, of people no, saw you, no, but no one, one did anything. Uh, yeah, wow. No administration saw you. Right, right, right. So what'd you do at that point? You got him up? Yeah, know. I stood him up and you went. we walked into the school. You were okay at that point. It had worn <laughs> off enough that you were like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm good. But you were still That was the thing with the spice is it hit you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, though, it just go away, which was like the biggest relief. I remember more bad times than good. More bad times. There was one night that I thought for a fact I was going to die in my bed at home. I smoked a, <laughs> what, like... What were the pros of this thing? Dude, uh, kids, it's man. a great we're question. Kids. I don't know. Dude, you make stupid mistakes. Yeah. I smoked a half of a joint out of my bathroom window in my house as a kid one time yeah. of spice. I don't know why I was smoking spice. I never got drug tested, but it was like... There were some times when it was just like hard to find weed or it was like cheaper to just yeah. pay the 20 bucks for spice than try to track someone down to get weed. So I smoked like a tiny little joint, took like two hits out of it, and my ears started ringing. Oh, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm good. I like threw the thing out the window and then I'm standing in my bathroom looking in the mirror and I was doing what Matt was doing. I was just touching my face. It felt like my, you know, like when your hand or foot falls asleep yeah, and it's like yeah, pins yeah. and needles. That's what my face felt like. And so I, like, put eye drops in because everyone says that, like, sobers you up, you know? At least at that time, I thought it did. I'm splashing water on my face. My ears are ringing. So I just get in bed, and I'm laying in bed, and it sounds like there's an alarm going off in my head, like, it was the weirdest thing. And I remember this, like, it was yesterday. I was in my bed naked, like, about to go to sleep (laughs) naked, and I got up and put clothes on just in case I died in my sleep. I didn't want my parents to find me naked. I was that confident that I might not make it through the night. <laughs> I put clothes on because I was like, if I die, I don't want my parents to find me naked. That's fucking weird. You know, I've heard multiple stories about Spice with this, too. I, I said my sister, I know a lot of my, you know, I don't think my sister did it often at all, but I think, like I said, it was like a legal thing that you could pick up when you were 18. So, yeah. like, you know, it was, but I've heard a lot of stories like that. Any age of BP. <laughs> <laughs> no shade to BP, no shame. Uh, we fuck with Kenny. Yeah. Um, Good shit. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on, man. Your story yeah, is no inspirational. For me. I think uh, I think every part of your story is really amazing, from the adoption to the way you were raised, high school, the the problems you had to deal with with the ACL, and then college, and, and the bouncing back, you know, getting over drugs, and just becoming a really humble, cool person. Um, I think your story is incredible. I really do. I think a lot of people are gonna you know resonate with it because. A lot of people, like I said, we've all had our own struggles and our own paths. But uh, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm honored. That, you know, no, it's 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 a uh, it's a pleasure. It always is. Guys, thank you for watching, viewing, listening, subscribing. If you could tell all your friends and family about this, we would appreciate that. Um, until next week, we will see you guys. Peace.